Um, the scripture today is Matthew chapter 12, verses 18 through 21. It reads, Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in between imperfect people and the ability to change the world is that center part of our mission statement, transformation. And that's what we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, how to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, by the perfect love of God. And we've been talking about um, the evidence of that, the proof of it, what Paul calls fruit of the Spirit. And fruit is something that everybody can see, right? Both on a tree, if there's a peach tree blooming, you're like, it's got the peaches. And in our lives. So Paul is saying if we see these nine characteristics of the transformed life, then we're going to know that the Holy Spirit is at work within us. We are no longer imperfect. We're on the way to perfection, right? We're on that journey. And so we've been talking about all of, all of them, and we've gotten through two. We did patience first because I didn't want to wait. And so we talked about patience, and we talked about how Isaiah showed patience when he endured this very painful calling from God for three years, and because of his patience, the nation was saved. And then last week, Pastor Greg talked about faithfulness and how faithfulness is not only something we give to God, but it's something we give to each other in community that draws us together, that keeps us with each other. And today we're going to turn to gentleness. And let me tell you all, this is a confession. As I read through the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, man, I'm hearing those words that I often hear in Scripture as marks of the Christian life. And then I get to gentleness, and I'm, it's like a record. Remember the old records if it would scratch? Like gentleness? Like was that a, why did Paul put gentleness in here? Um, because honestly, I don't ever, if, if I see somebody's generosity, I'll say, they're very generous. I, I wonder if they have faith or their love or something like that. But never do I or have I heard anyone look at somebody and say, that man is so gentle. I wonder if he believes in Jesus Christ. Like it, just, it just doesn't usually go that way. In fact, when we think of many of our heroes of the Bible, it doesn't seem at first glance that gentleness is one of the characteristics that they possess. Um, think about Moses. He's one of my favorites. And Think about him on Mount Sinai. He's just gotten the Ten Commandments. There's fire and clouds. It looks almost like a volcano. He's coming down, and he sees that the people have made a golden calf. I mean, he can't even be gone a week, and they're like, calf, right? And so he, what does he do? He smashes the tablets on the ground. He goes down there. He cleans up. He tells, you know, Aaron, what are you doing? And this is my favorite part. He takes the golden calf, grinds it into gold dust, and mixes it with the people's drinking water and makes them drink their sin. What a leader, right? Um, Think about Elijah. Elijah is the last of the prophets of God in a very dark period of Israel's history. All of the rest of them have been killed by Ahab and Jezebel. Elijah's the last one. And there's this tremendous showdown that he has the audacity to call between the prophets of Baal, which is this false god, 
and the everlasting God. And so it's just him and all of these false you know, prophets of Baal, and he lets them go first, and they're calling out. They're trying to call fire from heaven, and they're screaming up to Baal, and they're dancing, and they're cutting themselves, and Elijah's like, scream louder. Scream louder. He can't hear you. Maybe, and then he says, maybe he's in the bathroom. I mean, so Elijah, whoa, you know, and then he calls fire from heaven. Fire so great, it consumes the sacrifice and all of the water that he's poured on it. He's dumped water on it. And then he calls the rain to the dry land. Elijah, right? So I think about these heroes of the faith, and then I'm like, gentleness. How does it fit? And this is especially true. I I researched it by looking at our English word gentleness. Well, maybe it's got a meaning I don't remember. And I looked in the dictionary. It says gentle, mild, tame, see also weak. And then, you know what it had a picture of? It had a picture of a little Shetland pony, the oldest Shetland pony you have ever seen in your life, and a kid, like, hugging it, and the kid's, like, bigger than the Shetland pony, okay? And this says, a gentle horse, okay? I was like, oh, gosh, okay, what am I going to tell my people if this is our English word gentleness, right? Am I going to look at all of my strong people and say, okay, you really need to be like the old toothless pony, That's what God is asking of you. Well, no, good news, good news, everybody. This is one of the times when our English language can't quite capture, in fact, it might even lead us the wrong way, with a Greek word. Because remember, this was, the Bible in the New Testament is Greek and the Old Testament is Hebrew. And so this is the Greek word preutis. And as I did some study, many translators said that this is a hard word to translate. One of them said it is one of the most difficult words to translate, that it's almost untranslatable into English. And he went on to say, in French, you can get at it because the French word is this, but I don't speak French. And he said, in Spanish, it's kind of okay. Um, But he said, the Greek is, it doesn't have any weakness in it. And what's happened is when we, the first translation of the Bible, I think was the 15th century, So in those 500 years, gentle has kind of changed in meaning. Back then, you think of a gentleman. That was not a weak person. That was a person with power, maybe a noble, maybe someone in authority. Um, But since gentleman, right, and that idea of gentle 500 years ago, it's kind of done this evolution where you get to the little Shetland pony, and it's kind of meek, mild, weak. You know, it has that undercurrent of weakness. That undercurrent is not in the Greek word. So it's a translation problem. So the best word we have in English for it is gentleness, but it's not really great to capture what preutus means. And so what I want to teach you today is what it means. And what we're going to find is gentleness is something not for the weak and the toothless. It's something for the strong. Okay? This is what you have if you're at Clydesdale, and you can show your strength under control. Okay? It's gentleness because it's modeled on Jesus. Jesus is the one who's described as preutus in the Bible. He says it of himself. He uses this word, and other people say it of him. So let's begin with just physically. Um, a lot of times I, fi- I, s- I find that pictures of Jesus are misleading, and I don't like them. This is my pet peeve. I'm just expressing this, is that sometimes you see these pictures of Jesus where he looks like he's never been out of the sun a day in his life. He looks like Forgive me, he just got back from the beauty shop, okay, and his hair is perfect, and he has kind of this little look on his face. I don't like that, okay, because 
He was a strong person. He was out in the sun. He would have had a farmer's tan because he worked outdoors. You remember what his job was? He was a tecton. That's the Greek word again. I'm giving you that because this is another place we mistranslate it. Because what do we say that is? Carpenter, right? And we know carpenters. We have trees where you can practice carpentry. But when we went to the Holy Land, we saw the environment there. It's, there's almost no trees. Seriously, they tax the land based on if you had a tree or two trees or three trees. That's how rare they are. It's more like West Texas. If you've ever been to West Texas, it's a West Texas landscape. There's a lot of stone. There's not much water. And so think about, again, translating the Bible. They're in Europe. It's a couple hundred years ago. They've got a bunch of trees. And so they come to the word tecton in Greek and they go, carpenter, because that's the the material that they were building with. But for Jesus, when we went to the Holy Land, um, our guide said, who spoke Hebrew and he knew Greek, he said, tecton is more like builder. And he called attention to the fact that all of the buildings there are made not out of wood, but out of stone. And if you could, if you were very rich, you could afford lumber. And so you'll read like David had cedar paneling brought in from Lebanon. He had to ship it in. It was an import. And that showed his wealth and his power. But Jesus, a tecton in Galilee, is not working with lumber. He's working with stone. He's a stonemason. And I want to show, before I show this next picture, Amy knows me now, picture in your head when you think of a manger, like a nativity play, right? We have a nativity play, and there's a manger, and it's like a wooden X, right, with a little trough with a box with the hay. That's my idea of manger, like Jesus was laid in a manger. And then we saw a real manger from the time of Jesus, and it looks like this. Do you see that stone box there? It's about this high and chiseled out as a place it had just rained, but that would be where the hay went in that stone box. And when our guide said, this is a manger, I was like, Wow. I mean, the animals could just walk up and just eat. It was at their level. Um, So when we hear about Jesus being born in a manger, this was what it was like. And when we think about him being a tecton or a builder, this is what he was working with. And there's pictures I have of, of the buildings in Israel. Look at what they're made out of. Can you be weak and work with stone? No, Jesus was very strong, y'all. Very strong. He was lifting giant stones into place. He was chiseling things out. Um, If you shook his hand, it would have been calloused. It would have been strong. You would have felt the strength in him. Okay, that's why I'm always like, I see those pictures. I'm like, no, he had a sunburn. He had a farmer's tan. You know, he was outside. So that's who he was physically. Who was he in the fiber of his being? Nothing of weakness there. I want you to picture for a minute the most intense storm you have ever been in. And the wind is blowing and maybe the door is shaking and the rain is lashing and maybe you are hiding in a closet or a safe place. Imagine that storm and then think at a word, Jesus calmed it. A storm just like that from blowing and fierce and then Jesus spoke the word, and it was still. Power. He walked. He walked on water. Um, If you were sick, 
and you had been sick for a decade and the doctors couldn't do anything and you just touched a piece of clothing that had touched him, you were made well. People would line up by the thousands for his hand to touch them and to mend broken legs or broken bones or a bleeding disorder, whatever it was. Demons cowered at his feet, cowered. They didn't fight back, they couldn't. They begged for mercy. And when people died, if his voice called to them, they returned to life. Power. The most powerful human being ever to walk the face of our earth. So if he says he is gentle, we know it's not weak. It's something for the strong. And what we see is that Jesus responded in a couple different ways that this scripture talks about, about what it means to be gentle. And the first thing that it means is, this scripture says he will not fight or shout or raise his voice. Now, think about Jesus. He did get angry, right? There are times we can think about it was always under control. And think about whenever people shouted at him, his response was either a quiet word or a gentle answer or actually silence. And one of the times that most demonstrates this, he won't fight or shout or raise his voice um, in public is this time when he was teaching in the temple. And he, he would have gathered a huge crowd. They sat down to show they were ready to learn. He sat down to show he was ready to teach. He was teaching them. So it was a situation like this, only we'd all be sitting on the ground. And what happened was this fracas started from the back, loud. And y'all know how it is. If I'm up here preaching and, and there's a disturbance, you try not to look, but you end up looking. And so that's what happened. Everybody started looking over there because there were screaming people and they were dragging someone with them. And they get up to the front. By the time they get up to the front, everybody's just staring at them. And they can see that it's all of these men. They're gripping a woman. Um, she's gripping a sheet around herself, and she's clearly naked under there. And their their fingers on her arms are are so strong, she's going to be bruised. And others among them, their knuckles are white around jagged rocks. And they're screaming at the top of the, their lungs about how she's a sinner, and she's broken the law, and they're going right at Jesus, this screaming mob who is sitting down, teaching. And they scream at Jesus, this woman is a sinner. She was caught in the very act of adultery. She's a lawbreaker and she has to die. What do you say? And Jesus didn't say anything. Jesus begins to write with his finger in the dust. And they keep screaming, but he just keeps writing. And finally they say, what do you say? And he looks up and he says, I say, the first one to throw the first stone needs to be the one without sin. And then he goes back to writing. And one by one, starting with the oldest and the wisest, they drop their stones and they leave. Until there are no accusers left. 
And I want you to see what a strong response that was, what a clever but a gentle response. See, the the Bible says Jesus was gentle because he wouldn't fight and shout. And so when the Pharisees come up fighting and shouting and angry, he doesn't shout back. He's writing in the dust. And most commentators say, and I think this too, that he was writing the names of each of those people there and their sins. Now the people sitting down can't see that. But if you were a Pharisee standing, looming over Jesus, screaming at him, all of a sudden you would realize there is my name in the dust and oh no. I'm, I got to get out of here, you know, before th- he knows. And so see what Jesus did is when the Pharisees are screaming at him, he has a strong response, but it cuts to the heart of the matter without cutting the person apart. Even the Pharisees, do you see the regard he had for them? He didn't scream out their sins. He wrote them down and said, if you're without sin, throw a stone. They were like, whoa. And they left. So the first way that we're going to show gentleness in our lives is when the Pharisees come to scream at us. I'm sorry, but that happens a lot, doesn't it? It happens when you're in traffic. There's construction constantly, so it's like the test of us that people yell and scream at us, and sometimes you might know what it is, and sometimes you don't. Um, you're going to get to practice that at your kids' sports games. When, the, when there's another parent or there's a ref that makes a horrible call, oh my gosh, I could tell you all about some of that, then you have to be like, <gasps> gentle. Gentle response when your boss screams at you. When the coworker is spreading lies behind your back. Gentle. It's not weak. It just means that just because that person is sinking to a low level of screaming and fighting, I'm not going there either. God is building gentleness into me. I can control my power and I can respond calmly. And I tell y'all, I've seen it. My senior pastor, Larry Howard, I remember a meeting we were in, and there were two people who were yelling at him and lying. It was actually at both of us, and they were just, I was like, how are you Christian and saying this? And the louder they got, the calmer he got. And at the end of the meeting, I was just like, I want to be like this when I grow up. And I said, how were you not angry? He said, oh, I was angry. I was angry. But he's like, that won't help. And so he had cut to the heart of the matter, tried to address their concerns instead of descending to their level of nasty mudslinging. That's who we need to be as Christians, is the ones who find victory not in yelling the loudest, but in going to the heart of things. In still valuing that person, not cutting them apart, but saying this is the heart of the matter. And the way we're going to do that is when we get in those situations, our automatic response is going to be to engage and to yell. It's, it just is. And so to get at this transformation that God wants to give us, we have to create that space. Like Jesus bent his head and started writing. We have to bend our heads. We don't have the knowledge that Jesus does, but we have to be like, show me how to respond. 
So even if you can just pause for a split second and pray, help me to respond in a gentle manner, in a way that my strength is under control, that's a start. Now, so the first thing is how to respond to screaming Pharisees. Honestly, that's the hardest part. The second part, we're going to enjoy. The second part is that Jesus, it says Jesus wouldn't crush a, a broken reed or snuff out a flickering candle. And this means that when people were hurting, Jesus saw them. And, you know, you can think about a, a broken reed. Maybe a kid went through with a stick and there's a cattail that's just barely hanging on with a, a stiff wind is going to break it apart, destroy its vitality. Um, you think about a flickering candle. Every now and then I'll watch one of our candles kind of sputter and flicker. And I think, don't let the air conditioner come on right now, right? And what we know about gentleness is if Jesus isn't going to break them, I remember how the kids saw the wind, the wind blows and it tries to destroy them. I think of Jesus as like the windbreak. It says, I'm strong and I'm going to create this safe space where you can find your strength again. Right? The wind will hit his back and it won't blow out the candle. And we see that in his treatment of the woman. Um, when all the Pharisees have left, there's this poor woman. This is the worst moment in her life. She has been caught in sin. She has been dragged out before her whole community. She thinks her life is going to end in disgrace. And she is just clutching that sheet around her and tears are streaming down her face. She cannot look up. Not even when the Pharisees leave, she's still looking down. But I imagine if, if she's standing there and she's looking down and Jesus is right here sitting, that when she finally opens her eyes, his is the first face she sees. Jesus looking up at her and smiling. And he says, where have your accusers gone? And for the first time, that woman looks around and realizes there's nobody left. And then Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. Do you see that shelter he's creating for her? That gentleness of you're broken and I'm, I'm going to give you space to get well. And then he says, go home and don't sin anymore. See, that's a strong word, right? That's a word of correction, but it's still like you can live differently. I'm not condemning you, Jesus says. Go home and choose a different path because I know you can do it. Gentleness. To protect her from the Pharisees, to protect her from the crowd, to say out loud to them, I don't condemn you. Well, then they can't either. And so this is the really delightful part of, about being a follower of God is we get to look for those people who are broken reeds and flickering candles and we get to be the strong backs that say, I'm protecting you until you can get strong enough again and then you can help me protect some other people. And y'all, we do that when, when we respond to the ERT disasters, when we say, we'll go. These people, they have been had their homes washed away some of them twice they were just starting to rebuild and now again and so it makes me happy my heart happy to know that you all are there because then I know there's there's gentleness coming into play there there's hope you're going to be creating a shelter for them to grow when you go to helping hand 
and you know people come for the first time and they they say this has happened and I feel so terrible and you're like let's get you groceries let's get you groceries man we're so glad to be able to help you and let me help you load this into your car and it's going to be okay we who are strong are showing gentleness in that moment a gentleness that helps people find their own strength that's who we're called to be that's who I see you being I see it all the time I could give you example after example but now maybe it'll make sense when we when we understand what praetis means and we hear those beatitudes again there's one that Jesus says blessed are the meek or the gentle for they will inherit the earth I've always been perplexed by that but put the word praetis in Blessed are the praeutis. They will inherit the earth. Oh. Blessed are the ones who aren't screaming when everybody else is, who are calm and controlled. Blessed are the ones who care and create shelter for the broken so they can find their strength. Blessed are those. They should be leading. They're strong, but they have their strength under control. I want all of us who are strong, you who are strong, to have this fruit in our lives. This is something the strong need. We have to have it or strength can become violence. But with praeutis, with gentleness, then we're like Jesus. Strong with the ability to help, the ability to change the world, right? Let's pray. God, we ask that you would help us see where we could be more gentle, either in our response to people who are screaming at us or fights that are trying to happen or lies that are being told, or in our families or with our friends, with those who are broken, with those who are in need. Uh, Lord, use our strength to create a shelter where people can find their own. Grow in us this fruit of praeutis, this gentleness, so that we could be the kind of people you would trust to inherit the earth. We ask all this in Jesus' name, who taught us what it meant to be gentle. Amen.